You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new film, Outrage, our guest today, Kirby Dick, presents a searing indictment of the hypocrisy of closeted politicians who actively campaign against the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community they covertly belong to. Dick's other films include the internationally acclaimed Sick, The Life and Death of Bob Flanagan, Supermasochist, Derrida, Twist of Faith, and This Film Is Not Yet Rated, an expose of the interior workings of the MPAA rating system. Outrage opens this Friday, May 8th at the Lemley Sunset 5 in Los Angeles. Kirby Dick, welcome to Film School. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. We're reaching you up in Santa Monica. Is that right? Uh, Actually, I'm in West L.A. West L.A., okay. Very good. Uh, uh, when was the genesis of this film? How is it that you you came upon the idea? What was the first time you thought about making a film about about the hypocrisy of generally Republican politicians regarding this? Well, I was in uh, Washington D.C. in August 2006. I was promoting uh, this film is not yet rated, uh, which right. is uh, about the uh, censorship of the American film rating system. And this was a subject I knew about only really because I was in the film business. And I thought, here I am in Washington. There are probably a number of great stories for documentaries that only people inside D.C. know about. And started asking around, learned about these closeted politicians, and learned that a number of them were you know voting would vote anti-gay, and there's a great deal of hypocrisy. But what was really fascinating is that this, the mainstream media was not covering this, and that's when I felt like it was very important to make a documentary on this subject. Mm-hmm. Was uh, There's a character, uh, Michael, not a character, but a person, Michael Rogers, who uh, is blogs on Blog Active. Was he one of the first people you met in regard to this? Uh, he was an early person we met, yes. He, he started this blog, Blog Active, which started reporting on hypocrisy in, in 2004. What had happened is in Washington, D.C., with the Republicans uh, going after gays um, and actually developing this federal marriage amendment to have an amendment to restrict the, uh, any kind of same-sex marriage, there was a great deal of anger within D.C., particularly uh, in, you know, within the gay community, both Democratic and Republican. They were working behind the scenes furiously to derail this. But Washington is a very buttoned-down town, and, and nobody was willing to go public at all with their anger. And that's what Mike Rogers did. He, he started this blog, and he really tapped into the anger, not only within Washington, but across the country. Got a, a large number of tips of people who were closeted gays, voting anti-gay, and then I mean, he was the person who, nine months before we, we learned about Larry Craig, he actually went on national radio and said, you know, Larry, Larry Craig is a closeted gay who votes anti-gay. At that time, people didn't believe him. You know, he was proved to be right. Well, let, let, I want to just kind of get to the, 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 the strong theme within this, within this film, because there are people that are, will argue with, with you and have mentioned to me that, you know, this is outing people, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of outing uh, individuals. But the, really what this film is about is, as you mentioned uh, early, is uh, the, the, the hypocrisy of all of this and the consequences of this hypocrisy. I want to talk a little it, bit about it, it. Yes, exactly. I mean, my film is not a film that 
outs closeted politicians. My film reports on the hypocrisy of closeted politicians who vote anti-gay. And I think not only does, do, does one have a right to report on that, but I think it's the obligation of journalists and documentary filmmakers to let the public know about that, this hypocrisy. I mean, that's what journalists do. They, let, they, they find out when their elected officials are saying one thing and doing another, and this is exactly the case. And the consequences of this are you know, right now we still don't have, we have very few, if any, federal law protecting the rights of gays and lesbians in this country. And there's, you know, there's, there's all kinds of consequences to this. I mean, there's uh, hate crimes where dozens, if not hundreds, of, of gays and lesbian, lesbians have been, been killed, actually. They don't have the right, obviously, to, to same-sex marriage. They don't have the right to adopt. There's just, there are many, many issues that this impacts on, on the lives of millions of gays and lesbian American citizens. And that, and that really is, this, it's a very strong, I felt very strongly in this film, is that the consequences, and let's go back in history here, to uh, the, the 80s when we, when, with President Reagan and uh, the well-known fact that he never even mentioned the word uh, AIDS in public until it was 87. 87 was yeah. the first time, well Correct. after the point at which uh, this, uh, this disease was killing Thousands upon thousands of people, uh, predominantly gay and lesbian, or gay uh, gay men, and uh, um, so I want to go back because that's really the root of a lot of what you're talking about in this film. Right. We look at the history of the damage of the closet, and this is one of the most significant instances of it. In his administration, he had there were many gay men in his administration, and a number of them were very uh, high, highly placed people in the in the in the health administrations and they were in a position to start funding uh you know uh, start funding efforts to stop the aids epidemic and they did not and the reason they did not is because they were closeted and they were afraid that people would find out they were gay if they were seen to be supporting what at that time was perceived of as a gay disease so this is you know, this is the damage of the closet these are people who if they were out would have naturally probably supported efforts to combat this disease, but because they were closeted, they did not. What, what is that? What is that psychology? Well, by the way, we're speaking with Kirby Dick. The film is called Outrage. It opens this Friday uh, here in L.A. at the uh, Lemley 5 Sunset. What is the psychology that, that, that is in place when somebody does something like what they were doing? Well, sometimes it's pure. They're just being expedient. I mean, uh, they are. They're. They have a. You know, they're a powerful elected official or appointed official, and they, in particularly the Republican Party, over the last certainly twenty years, have certainly turned against gays and lesbians, even turned against their own, and so they have to make sure that their constituency doesn't find out they're gay. That's what they think. I actually think many of these could run openly gay and win, but they're afraid of this, and so. Where they would normally, if they were out, vote to support gay rights because they're afraid that uh, the, the constituency will not support the, them if they're gay, they do anything to quell the rumors that they are gay. And the, the first thing they'll do is to vote anti-gay. So that, that's, that's one aspect. That's sort of a, you know, it's a kind of a cynical use of their power uh, to protect, uh, you know, to hurt other people and also protect themselves. Sometimes, and you, you, Larry Craig might be one of these type of people. Larry Craig was brought up in, in Idaho, and, and during his formative years when he was young, there was a very, a home, a very homophobic scare there, and, and a lot of people were sort of demonized for even possibly being gay. And I think that 
it, that, it probably affected him psychologically, and he may have said to himself, look, I, I'm never going to come out. This is, a, uh, I, this is a part of myself I do not accept at all. And he boxed it off, and then that can become psychological torture for somebody who has to live their life that way. Yeah, one of the most striking <clears throat> moments in the film, for me at least, was uh, there was a reporter from a, a paper in Idaho that was, and you had the headlines, of what was going on during that, I guess you'd call it a scare. I, Back in the fifties, yeah. Uh, the headline from in this fairly major newspaper, sp- speaking specifically about homosexuality, said, "Crush the monster," and, and this is something that uh, you know you point out that that uh, Larry Craig is taking with him through his life. And this is he's ten years old, as you yeah. describe, in the, when this when the scandal hit. Exactly, and this is this is an editorial in one of the major papers in in Idaho, uh, the Idaho Statesman, and uh, the headline is "Crush the Monster." So, um, I, you know, Larry Craig, like most people going to politics, is probably reading these editorials because that's what people do when they're even in their, you know, even before they're teenagers, they they follow politics very closely, and he's thinking to himself, well, even at that time, he probably he probably didn't even know that he was gay, but. When he discovered that he was gay, he thought, oh, they're after me, and he did everything to protect the closet and yeah. stay in the closet. Well, the, there, there is just uh, – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I wasn't going to say anything. Oh. You're looking no, no, I, uh, there's, there is a um, – I don't want to get into names because I think that the, the, you, you, you need to see this film because you did a great job with a lot of the people that you discuss in this film – of uh, giving us the background, uh, their their votes on on gay related issues uh, and and such, and uh, it is an, it's overwhelming to see that the percentage of times that these people have gone out of their way to uh, to fight uh, against any kind of uh, sense of equality. Was there was there any fear with any of the people that were in the fear, uh, film? Did they not want to speak to you, uh, or was it pretty easy to get everyone to speak? Well, no. I mean, Washington is a very careful town. I mean, you have to be uh, in order to sort of, you know, keep stay in business there because it's a it's a it's a town of relationships, and you have to be careful. But you know, I had a very wonderful producer, Amy Zering, who has incredible people skills, and she was able to sort of very slowly and deliberately move through uh, connections in the corridors of power, and so we were able to get. Some very powerful people, some very people deep inside the Washington power structure, to speak about the closet, both from a personal perspective, some of them were closeted, and from uh, and also the the cost that they saw of the closet and how it torques the American political system. Um, there, there is a this is, there's nexus of of uh, protecting powerful people that you discuss in the film, and you you get into the media and mm-hmm. uh, the relationship the media has with. Uh, heterosexual celebrities and politicians and, and describe ad nauseum every detail about their personal life and and that's not the case uh, the protection of people who are in the closet um, would you describe yeah, that a little bit right exactly I mean Barney Frank says in the film that they'll write all kinds of details about his personal life but they won't but oftentimes the mainstream media now that now it's they will, but for a long time they wouldn't write even the fact that he was gay, even though he was out. And what kind of message does this send? This sends a message that there's something wrong with being gay, and and when that starts getting disseminated, that contributes to the homophobia that is still you know very rampant in this country. Um, there are other reasons the media doesn't report on it. Sometimes the media there's what is described as an ick factor. People don't want uh, the media doesn't want to report on anything that has to do with gay sexuality. Um, 
and you know perhaps because they think their readership is is more straight or would would be upset by it um, even though it's their job to report on on the, these kinds of situations this kind of hypocrisy again what message gets out the message gets out that there's something wrong or bad with gay sexuality uh, some i think sometimes um, the media doesn't report on these people because they, these um, news outlets are owned by major corporations who do a lot of business on capitol hill they have a lot of, of very important issues that you know relate to their bottom line being considered by these congressmen and women and they just don't want to ruffle any feathers so it's in you know they're rather than reporting on this very these very important instances of hypocrisy that as i said damage the lives of millions of american citizens they in you know in consideration of their own bottom line do nothing and i'm actually finding that in, in you know in the film as well is that you know i i you know was told by not the reporter but the people above him told the reporter that we can't we can't do a story on your film because we don't support outing and i said I said back to that report, I said, do you mean that your, your company's policy on outing trumps your company's policy on reporting? Of course, he had nothing to say. But, I mean, this is, we're just talking about reporting hypocrisy here. It yeah. happens to be around gay sexuality, but this is the media's job. Yes. It really is. We're speaking with Kirby Dick. The film is Outraged. It opens this Friday, May 8th at the Lemley Sunset 5 in Los Angeles. And uh, you... you dealt with a lot of hypocrisy. I mean, you, you, you were making this film. How long did it take you to make the film? It took uh, a little over two years. So, so we were actually... Yeah. Well, we were, we, I actually conceived of the idea before the whole Mark Foley scandal. Wow. We were actually shooting before Larry Craig. So this whole thing was swirling wow. around us as we were making it. So wow. you've been staring at hypocrisy for two years now. Uh, looking back on it, does someone uh, take the award for... Uh, most hypocritic? Is there, is there somebody that you're looking at in this that you find uh, very distasteful over the others? Well, there's certainly a, uh, one particular governor who's still in power who's, uh, I, th I think, what, what his decision yeah. to protect the closet yeah. was, uh, was quite, uh, quite appalling. Uh, yeah. One of the aspects of the film that, uh, that I think we can talk about, the, the, people, who are in it, the people who have come out and mm -hmm. the sense of uh, the, the different dynamic that, that has that it may be an example to these others. Uh, I'm speaking right. of Jim Colby from Arizona. And mm -hmm. uh, McGreevy, uh, Governor McGreevy of New Jersey. Now, I don't know that he's seeking any more political office. Is he out of political life now completely? Yes, he, he said that he's categorically will not run for polit uh, political office anymore. He he was, of course, he was uh, governor of New Jersey and uh, got caught up in several scandals and uh, what what he did was he came out and resigned, but when he resigned, he also said the famous lines, "I am a gay American." And so this was the most the most high, highly placed po American politician to come out to date, and that was a very important moment in in sort of the history of this issue of the of the closet. And he sat down with us and was very candid about the experience of being in the closet while he was governor. I mean, he first he talked about growing up and the shame he felt at being gay and and uh, that he had, would furtively have to have sex because he was so, you know, the closet was so locked shut. Um, but uh, then even when he became governor, he, he talked to us about how he would deliberately not support gay marriage because he felt that people might assume that he was gay if he was doing that. And one of the most interesting things he said is that, 
the closet, in order to protect the closet, you always have to be ready for any question. You always have to sort of dis- dissimulate in one way or another. And he said it, it prepares you for politics because it teaches you how to spin and uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, evade a question, which is uh, – and so, I mean, that's the one upside of being in the closet, I suppose. It's good political training. You know, and I, and I have to say that watching the, watching the film – you, with that in mind, as, you're, as, you, as you watch some of the other uh, aspects of this film unfold and hear the responses from some of these people, uh, it, it, it really is kind of a, a, a prism to which uh, it really helps you understand exactly how they're dealing with these, these questions when they come up. You, you, you hear it more clearly. Exactly. I mean, because of because of Jim McGreevy and uh, yeah. Representative Jim Colby. I mean, yeah. and, and what was interesting about Jim Colby is he he, he was here's a person who was afraid that uh, the advocate was going to write a story and out him. So he decided to beat them to the punch in 1996 and come out himself. And and he was very afraid of the whole experience, but actually it proved to be very positive. He said the moment he announced it, it was like a near-religious experience for him because he felt this weight of decades of sort of this tension being lifted off his shoulders. And, and also... He, you know, his voting record changed dramatically. I mean, he was one of the in the forefront of fighting the federal marriage amendment, a Republican in 2004. Mm-hmm. And so this is again, this is what this is what is so uh, contorted about the closet. If, if they if these politicians were out of the closet, most, if not all, of them would be voting very pro-gay. And one of the more despicable uh, characters in the film, in terms of just sort of manipulation of this issue has got to be our now former president, George Bush, and this completely gratuitous call for a federal, uh, for a constitutional amendment. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's disgusting, and you see that sort of smirk on his face and as he's delivering this obviously yes. contrived uh, address uh, about that it. That may be a permanent smirk, though. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're speaking with Kirby Dick. The film is called Outrage. It opens this Friday uh, here in uh, Los Angeles at the Lemley Five Sunset. I want to just go back to McGreevy and his experience uh, just for a little. You, you interviewed his wife. Is, is it, it's Dinah McGreevy? Yes. Um, Dina Mattos McGreevy, Dina yes. Dina Mattos, okay. And, uh, well, I, I always remember her reaction. In fact, I think I was, when, when he was announcing, when he was coming out, I think my eyes were more on her yeah. than they were yeah. on him, just yeah. because it seemed like she was holding an awful lot in. Was was that uh, interview especially difficult that you did with him? Well, it, it's you know it's always um, sort of a, a challenge to talk to people when they have so something that's been so emotionally uh, kind of damaged by you know something so personal to them. I mean, she was married to Jim McGreevy, had a child with Jim McGreevy, and didn't know till very late in their marriage that he was uh, closeted. And uh, again, I mean, this is how closely. He guarded his own closet, and and she talks very movingly about how when she find, found found out that he was closeted, she said, "Well, what part of my life was a lie? Was that trip a lie? Was this was this uh, celebration a lie? Was this holiday a lie? Because it was like her a whole part of her important part of her life had just been." dropped out from her and and again this shows the cost of the closet from a personal perspective is is it's not only uh it's not only the the politicians themselves but it's also the people around them and but as far as the politicians it's interesting because they themselves are victims even the most like larry craig and others who are both extremely anti-gay they also are victims of homophobia if if there was no homophobia in the society they would live an out life 
and they wouldn't have to suffer in the closet. Now, and, and putting, and I want to put aside, I want to put in perspective the sort of personal um, price that they pay because it is, it is significant, and there there is collateral damage. Uh, yes. But the other side of it is, as you in your discussions with uh, Larry Kramer and others, the consequences of the actions of these people in blocking uh, uh, money that would have gone to research uh, AIDS and all the the hundreds of thousands of people who died unnecessarily mm-hmm. in, in, over these last twenty years is just uh, it's staggering. I don't want to lose that perspective. I mean, it is. And I mean, look at somebody like the wife of uh, Larry Craig. Uh, I forgot her name, her first name, but Mrs. Craig. And how she yep. continues to, to uh, you know, paint this uh, this this sort of uh, good housekeeping picture of, of yep. their of yep. their family and their marriage. Uh, there is culpability as well on the part of some other people in in these people's lives uh, for oh, this. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in the case of Mrs. Craig, I mean, I don't know for a fact that she knows. I strongly suspect that she does. Um, you know, there have been these rumors about uh, Larry Craig in Idaho for many years. There is uh, Mike Rogers, in fact, when he outed Larry Craig, he did it because he had a firsthand account of someone who had sex with Larry Craig in another bathroom, in the bathroom in Union Station, which is only about three blocks from the Capitol. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, I think this is an M.O. of his, and I'm, I feel that she probably is very aware of it, but... You know, I think, you know, perhaps she's made this trade-off, which is, to, is look, I, there's a lot of perks and benefits from being the wife of a powerful senator. Yeah. But but you're right. I mean, and, and this contorts, I mean, it's not only the wise, but it's the staff. Some of the staff will know. And so you have somebody who's a, a powerful political figure, and the people closest to him know that he's he's lying about one of the most important things in his life. That can, that can only help to sort of... Uh, contort the whole political process in this country. Yeah. We're seeing a generational shift in the attitudes about gay rights in this country, um, and uh, this, the, uh, the coming generations do not have this hysterical, uh, wrong-headed uh, um, perspective, exactly. most of them, which is good. But the, the, the value of this film, in addition to be a very good film, very good documentary, uh, Kirby Dick, it also... It will hopefully help clear out the last vestiges of the hypocrisy that exists in the most powerful uh, parts of our country. And uh, I have one last question for you, if I may. Uh, Rick Warren, Barack oh, Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is going on there? Do you think that uh, Obama might persuade Rick Warren into a, a more liberal attitude toward this, or, or do you think Obama's been had? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, you know, there's been some you know strong indications that things would would get better under Obama. And um, uh, you know, the, the hate crimes bill was passed, I believe, and I, I'm assuming he's going to sign it into law. So that's that's a good sign. But um, but there's more. You know, there's a lot more that needs to be done. One other thing I wanted to add is that you know the film. Uh, one of the things that strikes me is how surprised people are and stunned by the film. I mean, these are revelations in this film that people just you know, have not are just completely unaware of. And I think one of the reasons is is that is that the mainstream media has just not covered this. And that's one of the reasons I made this film. But I also want to say it's I, you know people have described it as very entertaining, and there's a lot yeah. of funny moments when you're dealing with the closet, when you're dealing with sex of any kind. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot of chuckles. There are. And I just gonna say the, uh, the the mainstream media, the, the sort of last vestiges of this this sort of cover up is referring to people as the dapper bachelor and yes. confirmed bachelor. <laughs> and I just say you yes. know you just have to you have to laugh when you when you read these yes. things. But uh, yes. well, thank you for the film. Yeah, it's a, a revelatory film. You're, you're absolutely right. 
And uh, thanks not only for Outrage, but for uh, all your other work, yes. too, for, for Sick, for Derrida, for Twist of Faith, for mm -hmm. This Film Is Not Yet Rated, and, and now for Outrage, which is opening Friday, May 8th at Lenly Sunset 5 mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. Uh, Kirby Tick, thanks for being on Film School. Thank you. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.